Hey passengers, it's your conductor Greg. We'll get to some escapism in a minute or so. But right now, I just wanted to draw attention to new links added to the episode because of events in our home country of the United States. A week or so before the release of this episode, a draft of majority opinion from the Supreme Court was leaked. This opinion would overturn Roe v. Wade, a Supreme Court ruling on abortion from 50 years ago that has up until now been integral in securing rights of bodily autonomy for American citizens. Many will tell you that this is what Republicans have been working towards for these past 50 years, and the failure of the Democrats to protect these rights stinks, and has left many people, including us at Ghosts on a Train, angry. So we've added some links to abortion funds, and encourage you, as always, to do what you can. Uh, If you're having trouble choosing where to donate, you can focus on states with trigger laws, which we have listed in the description as well. Uh, Please enjoy this episode of Ghosts on a Train. The Ministry of Preservation is the institution responsible for the transportation of food and provisions along the Imperial Railways. Appointed by the Immortal Emperor, the Minister of Preservation controls the eateries, radiant energy farms, and slaughterhouses within each city, as well as every mile of track that connects them. In addition, the Ministry oversees the spark rats, who maintain the lightning barriers around each Imperial holding. It is no exaggeration to say that in appointing him minister 13 years ago, the immortal emperor placed the lives of each and every citizen of the Imperium into Lord Strangford's hands. Lord Strangford is a man of great ambition, as is common for those given his title. For example, his predecessor repeatedly attempted to seize control of the Eruvian Leviathan Hunter fleet, which was encouraged by his majesty's averted gaze. But in Thorn, Lord Strangford went even further sponsoring activity that sought not to seize a foreign power, but to potentially usurp the immortal emperor's iron grip on humanity. With the conspiracy's loss at the hands of the line bulls, Strangford sends his spectral spy Crowl to eliminate anything that may trace back to him. Welcome to Ghosts on a Train. This is a podcast where we play Ghost Lines, an RPG by John Harper. I'm your conductor, Greg, and I run the game. So I'd like to uh, I'd like to say hi to all of our returning passengers and a welcome to anybody joining us for the first time here in a bit of a, an action-packed moment. Uh, hello, I'm Hannah. I play Angela Anderson, and I am not involved in this action-packed moment. I'm just chilling. Hey there. I'm Guy's Answering Machine. You might know me from playing Pip on Ghosts on a Train. The Wait, the answering Machine plays? <laughs> I, I guess. Are you phoning it in? <laughs> I'm phoning it in. I've been phoning it in the whole time. That's my secret. Damn. That's kind of impressive. How did you, how did you account for our responses? I, I have a soundboard. A soundboard that I have on my stream deck that I actually So have. you are actively running your answering machine. Yes, so I'm, it's like, it's a lazy way, but it makes it infinitely more difficult. <laughs> Fascinating. As, you know, in character, <laughs> Pip is often wont to do. Mm-hmm. I can't believe he's found a way to do the exact same amount of talking and listening, but more obtusely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Stefan. I play Drix, and Drix is not gonna let his boy get killed! 
<laughs> I'll die. What was that voice? I don't know. Okay. It was, it was something. It came it from was, deep inside Stefan. Yeah, clearly. Oh. We're still kind of riding the high from the, the April Fool's episode, so. Speak oh, for yeah. yourselves. I don't know. I had a great time. I also had a great time, but joy is fleeting and misery is eternal. That's about it. Hannah's like, listen, I gotta move on to the next thing. Yeah, I'm over it. I'm, I'm busy. <laughs> Hannah's got shit to do. But our, our boy needs to make sure that his boy does not die because currently in the house of one Judge Cyrus Triste, a key figure in a conspiracy that gripped tight the Severosi town of Thorn. Pippin McKeel was welcomed under the name Adric Belial, which he gave falsely, uh, which still ended up currying favor with the conspiracy and also Judge Cyrus Trise in particular. Uh, Drix, truly Adric Belial, came along as merely his bodyguard. Judge Trise uh, was super excited to show his new friends, a key sponsor of this, his endeavors with the Thorn abandoned zoo, Lord Strangford. The very same Lord Strangford that betrayed House McKeel. Pip's family, but Lord Strangford did not arrive to praise or even consult with Judge Triste. Due to the actions of the bulls, the whole zoo situation has blown up publicly. The spectrodulum has been lost, and by lost I mean in the possession of our bulls, in two neat halves. And the entire endeavor has been deemed fit to be shut down by Lord Strangford in his capacity as the Ministry of Preservation. To Judge Triste Pip and Drix's horror, Judge Triste uh, was not arrested, but was instead possessed by Crowl, the ghostly spy of Lord Strangford. Now, Drix and Pip are in a secret room in Judge Triste's house, while Crowl and his men toss it over for anything useful they can use before they go about quietly tying up the loose ends of this man's life. Is it really betrayal if you didn't trust him in the first place? I think Triste trusted Crowl. Or no, are you talking Lord Strangford? I'm thinking about Lord Strangford. As Charaz Noble once said, I've never betrayed anybody in my life ever. Uh, shortly before betraying <laughs> everyone in his life ever. <laughs> On the inside, doesn't count. But anyways, which one of you would like to describe your characters first and also give me a, a role and description of how you're going to get out of this mess? We're both relevant to the situation. I, th I think maybe the camera cuts in as Drix is still kind of like peeking through the eye holes and listening in as Pip is sitting, still listening with like rapt attention. The camera like draws in to his knuckles, which are gripped firmly and tightly at the end of the statement with uh, the position. Pip flinches for a second and then his grip loosens and you can see the very clear marks of like fingernails in his palm camera pans up. Pip is a lanky, wiry, just weasel of a man. He's long, he's thin, he's kind of greasy, and also looks like you don't want to get too close for fear of being bitten. He's wearing this big, thick coat that was once nice, but has since kind of faded and gotten distorted. But it's still like, it still holds together, much like Pip himself. Once a noble, once respected, and is just sort of been beaten into dust and misery. Jeez. So, you need to somehow find or get an exit. I, I think I want that to be the first roll. Cool. How do you think Pip is going to find or get an exit for you two from this situation? Pip, at sort of like the discussion of like what was going on, had uh, reached into his coat and then sort of like at the opportunity to escape, withdrew his hand without actually grabbing anything. I think they're probably just going to go out the way that they came. 
Do you have like a route in mind of avoiding the notice of any of these folks that are like, they're, they're tossing the place. They're, Crowell doesn't quite have all of this dude's knowledge. But he's, he's like getting there. He's assimilating. Yeah. It's only a matter of time before they find this area. So I just need a role for like, how are we dealing with a potential looky-loo? I'd like to use finesse to try and move sort of like the secret dresser that like has all of like the documents and stuff. It's a table leg. It's yeah. a table leg, but it's still attached to a table. <laughs> and I'd mm-hmm. like to try and move the table to like block the door maybe a little bit. I like that. Just make it a little bit more difficult for them to get in and buy some more time. I'm going to use finesse to try and do this as quietly as I possibly can. Yeah, a very, very light touch. <laughs> Don't fuck me, dice. That is a seven total with my plus one to finesse. Okay, which one would you like to do? Would you like to do it uh, quickly? Would you like to do it without trouble, compromise, or cost? Or would you like to do it uh, stylishly to greater effect? So, they're getting in here anyways, eventually. Crowell is going to have the knowledge that, like, we were here anyways at some point. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The best thing that we could possibly do now is to do this quickly before they can react and move, so... I would like to do this quickly. I think maybe, like, Pip maybe misjudges how heavy the table is. And so just, like, in trying to move it, like, there's, like, a loud kind of squeak. Yeah, yeah, there's, like, a dragging noise, and you probably hear from the other side, like, Hey, what was that? Even if they're going to go to investigate, there's a table in the way. They're going to have to get another guy or two to help them push it open. Drix, as Pippin does this, please describe to me Drix, and then how you are going to get the two of you out of here. Okay. Drix is a tall, Severosi man. Dark skin, curly black hair, pretty nicely held under a decently large black cowboy hat with a red band. He's fit and strong, so he's got like a big broad chest. Uh, over that is a white dress shirt and a black vest. Down below, he's got like slacks with a nice hip belt that says Ye on it. Or is it a hard day? No, it was a hard day a last time. Yeah. So we're gonna, we've got to maintain continuity. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, let's say ha on it. Uh, he's currently bending down to his boots so he can pull off the spurs that, that he was wearing momentarily <laughs> just moments ago. Okay. And what's the second kind of roll to, to get you and Pip out of here? You have time. Pip's moved the, the table in front of the doorway. Uh, you're not about to get mm-hmm. interrupted. First things first, I think Drix is gonna like scoop Pip up because he's pretty sure he can run faster than Pip. <laughs> Almost just, certainly. Just under just, the arm, just over a lot the of shoulder, up Princess Carrie, give me the details. Paint me a picture. Mm, 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 mm. Uh, I feel like Princess Carrie's got to be the uh, way. This, on, is, like, this is exactly what you did last time, which is wonderful. <laughs> last time you were in this exact house. Rick's going to pick Pip up and then carry him out as he like runs for an exit. Okay, what kind of role you think it's going to be? It feels like a force to me. Yeah, I, I think I'd go with the force because he's going to push himself. Cool, cool. This. He's going to go as fast as possible because he knows, sure, 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 sure. That door may be blocked, but like they could always call people to patrol the perimeter. We got to get out of there fast. So that would be a nine plus two. That's an 11. Hell yeah. Nice. So which one do you not want to do? Uh, which I mean... I guess the problem with force rolls is normally force rolls are mm-hmm. like, you suffer little harm in return, you do greater harm, uh, or- We could do this as a finesse, maybe. No, 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 no. I, I, I just, I guess we're like explaining the, the rules or whatever, but I think you're fun. Yeah. I think the fact of the okay. matter is, you're good. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess not inflict great harm. Let's let's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't you don't smash the place up, but um, maybe you can like force open a, a window real quick, carrying Pip. Hop down the short, but not that short drop. Suffer a little harm mm-hmm. in return. You like plant your feet, and <laughs> you two fucking bolt. <laughs> Eventually, some of those goons are gonna open up the uh, secret little parlor. Maybe they'll find the window and know somebody escaped and. Crow will eventually discover that you two were present. Um, but for now, you're in the clear. By the time that happens, we will be gone. You will be gone as you head towards the Pride of Duskwall. Earlier than these two at the Pride of Duskwall, you two run and see the figure of Andrel Anderson waiting by the train for you. Hannah, what does Andrel look like and what's what's she doing as these two run over to you? <laughs> Andrel is a young girl, 13 years old. She is Aruvian, copper-skinned, dark-haired, uh, cut boyishly short, Victorian orphan boy clothing, <laughs> mischievous eyes, big toothy grin. Although I don't think she's grinning now. She's just leaning against the train, being normal, I think. Just, I don't think she's doing much of anything. She's just like, huh, I wonder where Pip and Drix are. I love Drix and Pip are, I'm sure they're just having a normal time. I'm sure they were just at the pub and didn't invite me for some reason. Uh, I'm sure they haven't done any crime (laughs) recently. Stupid dry town. A sigh comes from Andrel's feet. The sigh that comes from Jiminy the Dorg. He looks like a a German shepherd, but hairless and with a... Two legs in back and one single leg up front, but in like the center of his body, like a tricycle. The only hair that he has is a tuft on his tail, like a lion and a handlebar mustache. And Jiminy uh, gives that that hearty dog sigh, where a dog sighs like it's got the weight of the world on its shoulders. Yeah, but it's just... <sighs> yeah I know, buddy. <laughs> they should have invited us to whatever they were doing. But yeah, these two... We uh, could have helped. <laughs> these two. Uh, do you eventually drop Pip from the Princess Carrie? Like, you got, you, you're close <laughs> to the train. Well, the train's in sight. No, no, we're, go- we're, going, we're going all the way to the train. <laughs> okay, yeah. So Trix, Trix arrives carrying Pip. <laughs> I want to get carried! Hop on! Okay. And Trix, like, turns his back. <laughs> Angel does hop on. Trix carries both of them into the train uh, and like beeline straight for the crew car. Yay! <laughs> and just like <laughs> I'm tall. <sighs> Man, both of you are incredibly light. <laughs> I'm a child. I am at least eighty percent liquid. Oh, uh, okay, yeah, that, that actually sounds like a pretty fair and accurate estimate. Liquid can be heavy depending on its density. Oh, you learned that by reading in the dictionary? It evaporates over time. I am speaking of alcohol. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> this is a dry town. Oh, right, you have those 22 flasks. <laughs> a head. Had. <laughs> Did you go through all of them? I have at least three left. I had to leave most of them in a hurry. We were only here for like a week or two. Yeah, it was pretty slow for me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you were really, uh, you were really holding back, spacing it out. <laughs> so we might have a small problem, and uh, we should leave. <laughs> okay. 
I mean, you're gonna have to talk to Trevor about leaving, but we can get on. We're we're on the train. Yeah. Um, oh. Oh, uh, I open the back of the crew car door and, like, usher Candace in from the office car. As you go to usher Candace in, she's not there. Oh, crap. You hear the loud noises of a, of a train car getting mounted, mounted to the train a little further ahead. Like, your car isn't moving, but you can sort of feel the vibrations, and you can hear from the outside, like, All right, yeah, there it is, we're gonna have it right between... Right, right after the parlor car, and there's gonna be... You're gonna have to pay to get in after the dining car, all right? Very careful, very careful. Don't, we're gonna have to charge these up. If, if you bust the wires in that class, it's gonna be a bitch to put them back in. <sighs> right, right, right. We, of course, of course, we've been here for two weeks, but we're only getting the observation car in now. So is someone, like, oh. actively chasing you? Uh, Should we, like, barricade the crew car? It remains to be seen. The answer is, we don't exactly know. Okay. <laughs> uh, we are... Shortly, not going to be welcome in this town. Yeah, um, nah, none of us would know. N- none of us would know exactly how long it takes a ghost possessing someone to find out what they were thinking about five minutes before. Ah, uh, lovely. Oh, we met up with a judge, and um, Crowl happened. <sighs> always Crowl. It's always Crowl. You thought it was a judge, but it was I, Crow. Oh my god. <laughs> Great news. Uh, Crow now has the go-ahead to kill McKeel. So, we're gonna need to talk about this, Pip. That seems like not great news. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to it. So, what exactly do you mean the go-ahead? Is someone, like, piloting? I'm, I'm unclear on the situation. Crow is the muscle. Which is ironic, since Crowl does not actually possess any musculature. For a certain Lord Strangford, whose name you might be familiar with. He's the head of the Ministry of Preservation. Okay, thank you. You're our super boss. Would Andrel actually, like, know that, or, like, care enough to remember that? I don't think she would. Okay. <laughs> okay, I've heard that name before, probably, but I... I... Listen, I have a lot of things to remember. I read the dictionary, and I'm trying to remember all the words, um, and it doesn't <laughs> leave me with a lot of mental space for people who I don't like. How glutinous of you. What? Either <laughs> <laughs> way, there is a man... Who is the head of the Ministry of Preservation who has killed my family? Oh. And now has the permission to kill me, which I am not enthusiastic about. Genuinely, I don't think the murder your family thing is something we knew before. Uh, so that's, that's good information. Well, now you do. To be fair, I also had not quite recalled the specific details until recently. Why are we still standing here? I don't know. There's nowhere else to stand. We should go. Let's let's go up to check the car and, you know, just nudge Candace. What, to, what kind of car are we now. talking? Hold on. Why are y'all standing? Yeah, ah! this is fine. This is the appropriate time for you all to be standing around. Yeah. You're ready, right? What's, what's going on? You're so impatient. Candace, middle-aged woman with a cigarette holder uh, eternally in her hands and a Ministry of Preservation dress uniform. 
Oh, I was trying to abide by the letter of the law, and there is a sign over yonder that says no loitering, and I do believe we were loitering. I, th- we're in the crew car. We can't have passengers loitering around here, but you all, it's fine. I, we just got the observation car set up. I'm glad to see you're here. Equipment's returned. Uh, no arrest warrants out for you guys yet, right? <laughs> <laughs> Not yet, <laughs> but we should really go, just in case one gets dropped fairly soon. <laughs> uh, Candace, um... I didn't do anything! I want that to be clear! Candace... For the record, we didn't do anything. <laughs> Candace takes the cigarette holder out of her mouth. You see, for a moment, her fist shakes with the frustration that she could snap it. <laughs> And she remembers that she just has the one. And then she looks to Pip and she says, Mikiel, tell it to me honestly. Are you the one who- they, These two said they didn't do anything. Are you the one who did a thing? No, Drix did something. <laughs> I'm the only- What? Drix, <laughs> Drix is lying. I'm I, not again, lying. Again, it's fine. We're gonna go. We're gonna dip down. I just wanna- I just wanna know what happens. What do I need to say? It was on the level- and then the individual that I was working for turned out to be part of some kind of conspiracy to, uh... Th- th- there was some fuckery going on. <laughs> yeah, this is a weird town. I-, I got involved with the wrong crowd, and I deeply regret it, particularly because now they are possessed and attempting to kill me. All right, then. All right. Okay. Okay. Well, I was on the level this time. No, no, that's that's all right. If 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 somebody's possessed and trying to kill you, you you're a line bull. You can only be in the right there legally, probably. But yeah, we'll we'll go, we'll go. Fucked up little town here. We'll we'll pass on through on the way back. Don't worry. Uh, I'll make sure that if and when we come back to Thorn, like you you won't have to take that journey. I swear, Candace, we were doing really good staying out of trouble. <laughs> you know what? To be honest, you all showed up. And there are no arrest warrants out for us yet. Yet. Okay, yeah, that's ex- you know, this is exactly what I asked for. This is... <laughs> it's, it, <sighs> all right. Yep, and I mean, the, the only ones that would come would be because of uh, corruption on the spiritual level. Yeah, you know, I think the more I learn about this, the more I just get, like, more, like, worried. Not good for my health. I'm going to go into the office car now. Thank you, Candace. Thank you. Bye! <laughs> so what now? Now I think we get the hell out of here. I concur. Georgie arrives. She is a Scotlander with red hair and a similar dress uniform for the Ministry of Preservation. Hers got a little beret uh, indicating her as the liaison for the passengers. She arrives into your car to let you guys know. Lovely to see you all, Drix, Pippin, Andrew. You haven't gotten into as much trouble that you, you, you couldn't make it here to work on time. Okay, have we ever gotten into so much trouble that we haven't been able to make it to work on time? For some reason, Candace was exceptionally worried about it. Yeah, I don't know. Like, we're very punctual. <laughs> Except maybe Pip. He does get junk sometimes. I'm just here the whole time. Can't even put my finger on it, but it, it does appear that something about this town just, uh... Sets her on edge. Sets me on edge, to be honest. Oh, yeah. It was, it, it was probably the town-wide conspiracy. She's got her, like, customer service smile on, and she, like, <laughs> blinks a couple times. I didn't need to know. <laughs> <laughs> I will not give you any more details. Well, we've, we've 
added the observation car. Only you won't have to uh, pay to, to pass through if you need to go through the parlor car. But we won't exactly be having an attendant there full time. There's a, a button that'll summon me. But since you all are a Ministry of Preservation employees here on the train, especially ones that would have to be mobile, there's a machine that'll uh, match up your badge with some ridges on this mechanical stamp. And if it matches up, you can pass on through. Neat. Just want you to use that before you start ringing the... Because I, I can already hear you, Mikhail. I can hear you hitting the button and shouting, Georgie, Georgie! I can, I can hear it, and I, I didn't want to hear it. Your voice is, is lovely in small doses. <laughs> wow, that was... I mean, you don't, you don't have to lie about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Georgie, I've had a rough day. I appreciate the information. Thank you. You all have a have an excellent little, little trip. Let's um get the hell out of this here town, eh? Yeah. Let's do that. Agreed. Should should we take a stroll up there and you know make sure we know how to work the thing? Yeah, sounds good. Sure, sure. Follow me. You guys pass through from the crew car. You pass into the passenger car where Mr. McClaremont's the spiritual advisor and on the down low alchemist of your train. Old bald Severosi man is preparing his little booth. Not only is McClaremont setting up his booth, some railmen are uh, setting up a phonograph with a, a like a coin op. One of the many amenities that have come with the observation car as they set it up. One of the railmen who are uh, a group of Elysians, little Frenchmen, about half a dozen of them. One of them is like, uh, oh, I have to say, we have my favorite record here. Might sing along to some of those, those tunes, eh? Is that the one that's a good singer? <laughs> I think that one is Michelle. <laughs> I can't remember. It's been so long. It has. <laughs> Passing through there is the dining car. You see Greta, Scotland's her chef, uh, with a bunch of tattoos and short hair. She's sort of like cleaning up the, the kitchenette. She uh, waves as she's wiping down the kitchenette, and she sets down an eel tank. She's accidentally added the eels first, so she's trying to add, like, this mirrored section in without, like, trying to, like, get all the eels, and eventually she's just like, ah, fuck it. All right. And she starts, like, grabbing eels, tossing them from one side to the other. And you enter the observation car. The brand new observation car. There are windows on the walls from the ceiling to the roof. And then up on the ceiling, there is a stained glass mural. Uh, mostly just of pretty colors. It was sort of an abstract thing. But it's lit up beautifully. There's little speakers that could crackle out some information about the routes that you're taking, but, like, touristy information, nothing that'll help you guys, like, tactically. <laughs> um, I mean, if it wanted to give us tactical advice. If it wanted to, it, it could. Or could it? The glass itself is a little, like, weirdly tinted at first, but as you enter, there's, like, the charge of electricity, and the view from outside becomes different. You're not just seeing the world through the, uh, the glass. You're seeing... Probably some, some weird intersection of natural philosophy uh, in regards to the ghost fields. It, it looks not unlike a CT scan. One of the colorized ones. One of the colorized ones. Figures outside the train. You're getting a weird, almost like internal view, as well as the uh, terrain. You're seeing it probably a, a little more clearly than in just like the dark from like, you know, lamplight 20 feet away. So you arrive here. And Georgie is like, all right, so you guys all, all step back out to the dining car. I'll properly close the door, and you all try your try your badges. Well, that is fascinating. Ah, uh, yeah. 
It's a funny view you have here. Pipple tried his badge first, mostly just to get out of the way and to go back and hide. Mm-hmm. There's a section for, like, one coin. There's a button for, like, call assistant. This is an employee slot. And you put your badge in, and that you hear, like, the click, 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 click of something on a, a wheel or, like, a gear or something internally uh, shifting. And then a noise. This is something has struck your badge. And then it spits your badge back out at you, and the door opens up. <laughs> all right, McKeel, clear to come aboard. Come on, come on in here. All, all right. Pip steps in cautiously. And then the uh, door shuts behind you. All right, I'll, I'll give it a go as well. Mm-hmm. You're tall for your age, uh, so it's not like out of reach or anything, but you, you do realize that like a child by themselves probably couldn't <laughs> couldn't easily <laughs> mm. put, a, put a coin in here since it's on the same level as your employees thing. But yeah, much the same way, you're able to enter. Woo. All right, and then Drix is going to give it a go. Nice little slut in. There's a wheel noise, click, ching. It doesn't spit the badge out immediately, and then it goes, ching. Again, it spits the badge out. The door doesn't immediately open. Georgie, confused, opens the door from the other side. Drix, did you, did you put your badge in? Uh, I put my badge in. It, it just kind of spat it back out. Curious. All right, if I take a gander, can you give us a look? She looks at the badge, squints her eyes, and she uh, takes some needle thing from somewhere in her bag of hers, and she scritch scratches at the, like, embedded L for Colburn. Mm. A tiny, like, white fragment. She manages to work it out of an imprint. Ooh. There it is. The system is set for the badge as it was cast, so this must be just something left over. Ah, uh, that's probably there from when, uh, what was it, the mineshaft collapsed on me or something at the zoo? <laughs> I didn't even know about that. This could be, like, bone or a tooth or something. These badges get passed around an awful lot. Yeah. Let's look into it. Maybe a little later. With that clear, your badge does work. Okay. Hmm. Spooky. Scary. Skeletons? Excellent. Well, uh, that's all set. <laughs> you're all you're all good. Kindly return to the crew car so we can start letting the passengers aboard. And please don't let me catch you taking any sort of shine to a customer and trying to take them to the observation car for free. Because I can't stress enough that the only person you're cheating is yourself, on account of the fact that if Candace signs out, she might dock your pay due to the loss of revenue. We need to pay the electricity costs for keeping these windows all nice and charged. Okay, you don't have to do the whole rigmarole. We all know Candace just wants more money. Hi, <sighs> she needs me to tell you this, and if I, if I tell you in her words, you know they are not mine. <laughs> off, off with you, off with you. Okay. Do you think our badges work on the coin-off seats now? Oh, probably not. <laughs> Damn it. It doesn't matter. We're not allowed to sit in the parlor <laughs> car anyway. <laughs> I mean, we can dream though, right? We can dream. You remember the hot tub. We did get into the hot tub. <laughs> we did get in the hot that tub. That was canon. <laughs> that part was canon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's, uh, yeah. We here at Ghost on a Train would like to take a moment to bring you a message from our friends at The Green Horizon, another podcast from the Faustian Nonsense Network. Success. What is it exactly? Is it being the most profitable, the most efficient, the most reliable? The Green Horizon is none of these things. But what we are is a dedicated conglomerate of like-minded people that are here for you. Just ask some of our committed staff. Brilliant? Oh, well, I've been uh, here for about, um, yeah, about, uh, 
got got uh, three months and um, it's uh, five five stars and uh, uh, dependable service in, in the, uh, the the sector and uh, the, the don't believe me just ask one of our satisfied customers how did you get this number thousands of people have already signed up today to be a part of the green horizon experience so hire us today please and be a part of something bigger than yourself Unless, of course, you don't want to be happy. The Green Horizon. You could do worse. Sponsored by Stealing Needle Enterprises, The Green Horizon is an independent cargo haulage and contract work business, not to be confused with a lifestyle choice or tasty beverage. So now it's time for something we haven't done in a line or so. As the passengers file on to the train, the Pride of Duskwall, I let our players describe some notable passengers that stand out to them. There are other passengers, of course, but these are uh, theoretically our important principled players, if the passengers will play any sort of role. To lift lift the curtain a little bit, 46 episodes in, I have some notions of like passengers that might do things, but I'm just like, oh, a passenger does this. And I let Whichever whichever one of these mooks that seems most interesting take a given role. Or sometimes I don't use them at all. It's all misdirect. But I think it's a fun time. So who's who's got a passenger that they notice? I mean, I have one. Oh? A teenager with a, a weird little mullet. Uh, <laughs> he has weirdly elongated arms and legs. And a jaw that looks like it could unhinge itself. And he is, he is uh, taking with him a bicycle. Greg and I are rewatching the bicycle anime, and I just want to put Mito Sujiakura on the train. <laughs> if you don't know what he looks like, Google him. I can't describe it. Just look up. Look it up. is fully worth the minute it takes to do the search, I promise. He's a weirdo. He's a weirdo. I think what's really fun is if he has, like, uh, he's got a reverse penny farthing. Like, there's a big wheel on the back and a small wheel up front. <laughs> yes, the seat of the bicycle is also, like, incredibly high. That's his... <laughs> his gimmick yeah, in the actual incredible. anime, yeah, is that he, like, leans really far forward, so I think it'd be really funny if the wheel was in the back and <laughs> the small wheel in the front. Weird arms and legs. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I think he, he shows up with that job. Harlock or a passenger car? <laughs> passenger car. Okay. Uh, he shows up. Hi, welcome there, uh, little, uh, Wien. Uh, <laughs> Wien, uh, we can, we can win. You can, we can take your, uh, we can take that, uh, that bicycle, uh, around back. Um, Pierre, you can. And, um, yeah, one of the railmen is like, Oh, of course, mon ami. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> sort of looks and walks past this guy as he takes the bicycle. And the kid goes, be very careful with that. That's not your average bike, small fry. <laughs> um, Georgie, looking a little um, unnerved, goes, all right, and um, are you traveling by yourself? Any, uh, are you got parents coming coming by this way? or Because um, otherwise we can we can assign someone extra attention for you. And he's, he goes... My mother is dead. <laughs> <laughs> Can you assign me a new mother? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and Georgie, uh, Georgie looks up. Uh, no, 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 I, I can't, I can't, I can't do that. 
opening up the jaw as though it would unhinge uh, and then snapping it shut with a horrible noise in front of her. The kid smiles and says, don't worry about it. I'm over it at this point. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, lankily walks over and sits down in the passenger car and uh, Mr. McClaremont nervously shuffles and lights up some incense. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I forgot to mention his giant tongue. He has a what? He has a giant, he's got, he's got like a lizard tongue. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to text you a picture. But yeah, okay. for the, for the listeners, he's got like a lizard tongue. <laughs> oh my God. This, this boy is a lot. It can't, everyone should watch the bicycle anime, which is Yamamushi <laughs> Pedal. I, I never call it by its name because it's the bicycle anime, but it's so good and weird. Oh yeah, and this guy, he's a, he's a dagger, right? He's of a Dagger Isles descent. Because now that the Dagger Isles supplement is coming out, rather than just a mysterious archipelago with a bunch of different nations, we know um, that a bunch of uh, Asian folks are working hard to make, uh, that supplement, uh, and they're specifically taking from some of their culture. So, yeah, currently, like, Malaysian, Filipino, and um, Singaporean folks are taking the lead on that. That's awesome. Yeah, that's kind of like a... That's a... Okay, here's Greg, a, here's and I, Greg and I did talk about this one beforehand, because I was like, I would like to put an anime character on the train, but I don't think we have a Northeast Asia equivalent. Yeah, and this is more like Southeast Asia uh, still, but um, it's here's where I'm going to kind of critique John Harper, uh, my man J-Dog, because he's outright like, oh yeah, Akros is kind of like, it's like Europe, it's like England and rainy and shit. And then he's expressly in the book, like, Iruvia takes influence from, like, Egypt and Peru and stuff, and he sets up this weird expectation that, like, there's different country analogs, um, and then he neglects to write anywhere where, like, Asian folks could be from, and instead just presents us with Ticharos, the mysterious, far-off, strange land, and the Dagger Isles, a mysterious, close land. And it's like, okay, <laughs> you realize... Like, I'm like, I'm inherently uncomfortable with, like, you know, the Orientalism inherent in being like, if I was like, oh yeah, Ticharosi people, they're Asian. But we can feel a little better about that now. Mm-hmm. For the Blaze in the Dark Dagger Isles supplement with Southeast Asians being Dagger Isles. Also, gang, check the group chat. I just sent like six gifts of Mido Sujiakura because- Yeah, you truly, need to see him in motion. You need to see that boy in motion. <laughs> I'm going to take a uh, phrase from our dear friend Mask and yeah, this guy is a weird pervert. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh- <laughs> So, I hate that fly thing. <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ. One of is just him, like, the, a fly lands on his cheek and his tongue flicks out and eats it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I have seen God today, and I blinked. <laughs> I stared into the void, and it is bicycle Watch anime. bicycle anime! <laughs> Jesus Christ. Clearly we must. Seven guy? I've got one. Uh, a pair of what looks to be like adolescent kids. One boy is in a Ruvian dressed in very nice clothing. He has, uh, you know, copper skin, short black hair. And the other one seems to be uh, Akarosi, also dark haired, but very pale. He's dressed much more normally and down to earth. The two of them are arguing as like the copper skin boy doesn't or doesn't carry a thing, and the accuracy boy is carrying what seems to be the luggage of an adult man. Is this a reference? Super sense. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Pa- parlor car or passenger car? Parlor car. Damien's paid. I was going to say, whose parents paid for this trip? <laughs> oh my gosh. It's, okay. It's okay. got to be Bruce, baby. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, uh, Georgie, Georgie uh, is looking out for more passengers uh, when she hears from below. Excuse me, ma'am. Parlor car, can you guide us there? She looks down, the Aruvian uh, holding up their tickets. The Akarosi boy carrying the luggage nods along. I was like, thanks a bunch. <laughs> um, Georgie thinks for a moment. She starts to ask, no, uh, no way. And I, I didn't mean to um, perhaps unlock any sort of tragic story, but I, I simply must ask. You see, are either you going to be traveling with any sort of adults, guardian, <laughs> or parents? <laughs> <laughs> guy, guy, I don't know what you can you can finish your bit after. I don't know what you're thinking, guy, but hear me out. I think you should also put an unaccompanied child of some kind on the train. I think this should be I think this should be the line of unaccompanied children. <laughs> Here's the but, thing, I don't know if I'll be able to top what we already have right here. You don't here. have to top it, it's just like the third bit in the series, you know? You could just give a completely different flavor of child, yeah. too. Just, it doesn't have to be a reference to something, just an unaccompanied child of some kind. I know what I'm gonna do. The Rubian says, uh, my father, the CEO of Geist Enterprises. <laughs> It's far too busy, <laughs> far too busy to be uh, ferrying me about when I'm perfectly capable of doing so myself. And the, the Akarosi says, what he means is no, ma'am. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and the two of them walk off. So canonically, uh, we've got a Geist is a Batman thing. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Look, Wayne Enterprises definitely has a gaming, uh, no, gaming subdivision. It's it's our one good question mark company. company. <laughs> good enough. Okay. All right. Am I really gonna do this? Yes, I am. I'm gonna do this. Okay, I believe in you. This is going to come up later, and Greg, you're gonna have to remind me. There is a boy. They are blonde, wearing full, like, very well-dressed, well-pressed military regalia with a, what appears to be some kind of, like, a stall helm, like a German stall helm with a, uh, a crest on the front and a mask covering his eyes. You can tell, like, just, like, under the edges, if, like, the light catches it right, that he has blonde hair and he's a very deep voice for his age, which is, like, right on the cusp of, like, early teenager. Okay, so he's got a mask and a, a stall helm? Yep. Is that, like, that's not the, that's not a Kaiser helm. What kind of helm is that? I guess a, it's, it's a different kind of helm. It's the... Let me Google it. It's, it's just like okay. a military... Oh, it's like a like, military, okay. Yeah. Little, little boy soldier. <laughs> little boy soldier <laughs> with a, uh, with a mask covering his eyes. Is this a reference to something I would know? Yes, absolutely. Something you've already brought up in this episode, in fact. Oh, he's fucking Char. Yeah, he's Char. Yes, okay. He's, he's Char. <laughs> oh, um, he's Char. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all coming back to me now. Um, he shows up and Georgie, Georgie says, hello there, sir. Uh, passenger or parlor car? Definitely going to the parlor car. Char is fucking okay. rich. Parlor car, please. 
And she says, Ah, ah, excellent, sir, excellent, sir. Oh, and thank, thankfully, I can be assured. I didn't know until you spoke. You're, you're just a very short man, and not, in fact, another child. Because then I'd have to ask you, I'd have to ask you about your family and if you were traveling with any guardians. And he says, My family is dead. <laughs> <laughs> and Georgie says, I I I should have reached as much. <laughs> go, go. Thank you for riding with the pride of Duskwall. <laughs> Andrew calls from from the crew car. Georgie, my family is dead too! <laughs> you didn't need to remind me, Andrew. So Pips! <laughs> He's not a child, though. <laughs> I'm a child in all. Trevor, everybody's on the train. <laughs> Everyone's on the train. Everyone's on the train. Let's let's go. Let's go. <laughs> oh, poor creepy kid must be must be lonely being the only one in the passenger car. Yeah, I feel a little bad for him, but I also don't want to talk to him. As uh, as you're looking out at him. He turns directly at you, Andrel, gazing with soulless eyes, as though he heard you, but he couldn't possibly. He's so far away, and the doors are mostly soundproof. But his neck twists to turn and look at you. Andrel, oh god, how would one react to that? Probably not well. Andrel maintains eye contact, like she's trying to, like, you know that scene in uh, Jurassic World where he's trying to assert his dominance to the raptors? She maintains eye contact, but she slowly backs away into the crew car. You're not sure if he needs to blink or not, because just as you're just as you're about to blink, you see his tongue begin to reach up towards his eyeballs in a lizard-like fashion, but you blink and his tongue's already back, so you don't see if anything happens. Oh my god. <laughs> and Trevor <laughs> This is a fucking train! Trevor <laughs> Unaccompanied <laughs> child lie! Trevor shouts out. Woo! George out. <laughs> Alright, thank you, passengers. Pride of Duskwall is uh, now departing for mm-hmm. Coalfield. Pride of Duskwall departing from Thorn for Coalfield. All aboard! And um, the train belches up fire and smoke up front and begins to travel. The uh, Pride of Duskwall is a, gosh, now 10-car train uh, with a locomotive up front that has a vestigial chimney that belches up fire and smoke in the shape of a mustache if the train had a face for its front light. We've already established many of the cars throughout, but the new observation car shines between the parlor car and the dining car in comparison to the rest. Bringing up the rear behind the office car, there is a big old box car full of freights, a leviathan belly style lightning oil drum with a tunnel underneath for anybody who might need to uh, pass through. Uh, and bring up the rear is a caboose, upgraded as it is with a rail grinder that smooths the track a little bit, helping with maintenance as it passes by. As it leaves the lightning barrier of Thorn at that very moment from Judge Triste's abode, the judge who is now no longer just the judge, but also contains the spirit of Crowl, looks out at the train leaving. Crowl knows now that Pip McKeel was here. However, the fastest route to chase him in spirit form is now a non-starter. 
as the lightning barrier works both ways, and he would harmlessly fry upon exit, so he'll have to plan his pursuit later. I'm sure he doesn't want to deal with Midasu Jiakura either. <laughs> Pip says to Andrew, like, just as they start to get going, Do you think Georgie knows that uh, Trevor's parents are also dead too? <laughs> you know, I'm not sure if anyone's told her. Hey, Georgie! <laughs> <laughs> The train departs from Thorn. Thorn uh, disappears into the background over the horizon. The train journey will be pretty much the whole day. All right. Potential free time here. Like a persona, like, ooh, social free time. Uh, do you guys want to do anything? Hmm, yeah. Or shall I start fucking with you guys? <laughs> I'd, I'd prefer if you didn't start fucking. We're on a podcast right now. <laughs> Okay, yeah, later. Uh, that would be extremely irresponsible, Greg. <laughs> so Drix isn't going to leave alone exactly this whole crowd thing. Well, actually, I guess Guy did tell us now. He has actually told us more now than he has before. Yeah, yeah. Is fun. <laughs> you guys can still just talk about yeah. it if you want. So should we like? Is there anything we should like do? Should we set up like a, a ghost? I don't know. I don't know. Who exactly would we tell? The Ministry of Preservation? I mean, probably not, but Candace maybe? Just so she's on the level if Lord Triste shows up to the train? Mayor Triste? Honorable Judge. I don't care. We should inform Candace uh, about being mindful of preservation folks. I mean, not that they aren't already. So if Strangford was connected to the zoo, doesn't that mean that he was connected to that woman who was blackmailing me? And thus, wouldn't that mean that we have evidence of him participating in a coup? I mean, circumstantially, I don't know if it matters how much evidence we have, right? Or three line balls. We don't even have a union. That's true. But I do know someone we might be able to pass this information on to. Someone who's uh, money-grubbing and power-hungry, who might be able to work this angle a little further than us. Do you have that person's number? Uh... I, by number, I mean address for sending letters. How do we communicate in this world? I mean, these telegraphs. Do you have that person? Do telegraphs use numbers? Yeah. <laughs> okay, then you know what? Cut all that. Just leave it at the number. <laughs> yeah, they sent, they've sent telegraphs to the train before. Yeah, I guess that's true. If I'm thinking of the person you're thinking of, which I think I am, because yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's Lottie. Yeah, let's, it's let's call Lottie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I held off like with some kind of reveal. I mean, we all know Lottie, yeah. so really didn't have any. <laughs> Do you trust him? I thought you were talking about someone from like your mysterious backstory and past that we have not been as of yet exposed to. What mysterious backstory and past? Uh, you, you know. You, the serious backstory and past—the one that you don't talk about. I, I, I don't have a—I have a mysterious backstory and past that I don't talk about. We didn't find out you were magic until like at least a year into knowing you. Also, you guys know for sure that you are heading towards Coalfields, which is <laughs> Drix's home. That's true. Do we know it's Drix's home though? You know that Caulfield is Drix's home. You don't know that the Arcane Forger's Belial outside of Caulfield is his real home. <laughs> we're headed to your, your hometown, so to speak, right? I, I thought you were like, maybe you, you got like your parents or like siblings or, uh, I, I don't know, like 
Maybe someone else from Titros's. I don't know all that many Titrosi people. Obviously, I would be open to meeting more, but, you know, I mean, Camilla wasn't super forthright about it, so I imagine maybe people keep it under wraps. It's a whole deal. <laughs> In any case, do you trust Ladius with this? I mean, uh, he's, still, he's still not entirely off my shit list, but you've had more interaction with him than, than I have. I, well, I don't think... I don't think Ladius has any intentions of hurting us. Is what I will say. Which is a genuine surprise, because he did declare his unmitigated eternal enmity for you. That's true. Yeah, he really does have a way with words. (laughs) (laughs) What's happening right now? I'm not entirely certain. Okay. (laughs) But... Like, the fact of the matter is, he's not going to come after us. He's too grateful for everything that we've done for him. If we give him this information, it gives him a chance to, you know, pull some Game of Thrones. I mean, uh... (laughs) It gives him a chance to make some moves, uh, to make some political moves that, you know, wouldn't really affect us so much as they could end up hurting Strangford. Something like out of a, a Song of Ice and Fire. A song of what now? Yeah, what's that? Oh, it's just, uh... <laughs> it's an old Scottish series. So I'm, I'm, not letting you, I'm not letting you make Game of Thrones canon in any of its forms. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. This, this one's off limits. Fuck you both. Um, hey, hey, I stopped myself. <laughs> I both meant Greg and Guy. Um, and kind of figured. Look, I'm not terribly worried about him like getting the information and then being like oh yeah let's fuck over the pride of dust ball line bulls I just I I suppose I still don't really know what he'll do if push comes to shove if this information risks putting him in danger then I he might throw us in the line of fire in front of him he's in the ministry of preservation after all and it's, it's kind of not too kosher to uh, implicate your boss in a grand conspiracy. Again, Drix, I'll defer to your judgment, but... <sighs> Could we send it to multiple individuals? Perhaps. Wait a minute. Yeah. Why don't we send it to multiple individuals? Why don't we just put out a little news blast? To who? How many nobles do we know? We've got Annie Tompkins, we've got... I don't think Annie Tompkins would be particularly enthusiastic about receiving that from you. We could just send an anonymous telegraph. I... Is that really valid? So I'm thinking, like, the... You know the lad who's, uh... He's got the, the cat's eyes and he's very sad and melancholy. Cross Dava? Yeah, guy. He could, yeah. He seems trustworthy. He could use that information. Yeah, Andrew's last encounter with Anya Alkayat was not great. Yeah, remind me if you guys know about Annie Tompkins' secret identity. Andrew kept that to herself. Don't. Yeah, I think you, yeah, you, the notes <laughs> Andrew did deliberately, not tell us. Spe- deliberately and specifically. I would avoid Annie Tompkins, I think. Uh, you've had bad experiences with her, too. Um, <sighs> yeah... She definitely doesn't like the ministry, but I also don't think she likes us very much. Uh, Understandable. She's not a fan of me after I dropped those boxes. That was, I yes, know. that is what I am talking about. 
Hey, fair enough, fair enough. You know, sometimes you make enemies over the smallest inconsequential things, and you think you'll never hear from the person again. But then they just show up, and suddenly it's like, ah, well, God, this is a whole big thing, ain't it? Yep. I've got no idea. We could send it to Hecla if she wasn't dead. Well, no, that's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. So, like, Hecla doesn't have it in with the Emperor and wants to do something about it. She was from Scovlin and seemed to be, like, separate from the the individuals of the church, of the cult of the ecstasy of the sacred flesh. But So you think? I think if we find out who she was working with... You know what, Booker? The ancestor of Scotland. Yeah. From the Walker tape. It would have been relayed to you, Pip. I don't think you actually saw it. Yeah. Somehow the Emperor knew him, and he's a ghost. So we, we've got a ghost potential ally in Scotland that's trying to undermine the Emperor. And while this doesn't really get it, the Emperor directly, it does undermine him pretty severely since he uses the Ministry of Preservation for, uh, well, you know, preservating. Preserving. That's what I said. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll also, we'll be in Scotland before too long, so it couldn't hurt to do a little bit of research. Yeah, but like, we, we could send it out for a couple people, but I think they're probably our, they might be our best bet. Yeah, but we don't know anyone to send it to yet among them. Mm-hmm. Other than, well, Crossdava seems like a good idea. Crossdava, and I, again, if you think it's good to send it to Laudius, then we can, but. You know, what if we send it to Gafo instead? And we let him decide whether or not Laudius is good enough for the information. This seems like putting a lot of emotional weight and uh, responsibility on another individual. Uh, that seems a little irresponsible and unhospitable. Ooh. Yeah, he is a child. I feel like we should, you know, protect his innocence a little. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> it would suck to be a child making these decisions. <laughs> It would suck to be a child like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Uh, what? Uh, no, nothing. I just, I, I, I think, I think, I think Drix is going to think for a moment, and I think he's going to say, Lottie has no reason to give us up. But if he decides to help us, then that means we have someone very close to it all that we can use. I think it's worth the risk. Okay, let's do it then. Alright, well, while we're here, is there anyone in Severus that might be able to help us with this? Tricks, you'd, you'd know better than any of us if, uh... We're the sending case. the message, or with the possession, or... Any? All of the above? <sighs> yeah, I think, um, I think I know some people. When we get to Coalfield, I'll, I'll set up a meeting. Okay. Why do the shadows seem so much more traumatic on you right now? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the hat. It's, it's probably the hat. It's always the hat. What it actually is, <gasps> is in fact distant lights from Thorn, a couple of off in the distance fires or lights, maybe from Deathlands Explorers or something like that, and uh, casting shadows across you are a couple of Severosi horses. <gasps> um, it looks like they're, they're a little riled up. Running past the train. Horses! I love looking at the planes like that. Those are good horses. They are. Have you ever ridden one? Uh, yeah, actually. That was one of my side jobs. 
nice, nice. <laughs> they can be wild. They're good horses. Also, what do you think has them scared? Because I feel like that means something's going to try and kill us soon. They were running from the front of the train. <sighs> <sighs> well, looks like uh, we're on. <laughs> Okay, uh, send a message to Trevor and go, hey, it seems like some horses are scattering from something that's happening at the front of the train. Uh, is anything funny happening up there? If it is, please don't try and kiss it. <laughs> uh, you get the response uh, shortly. That was one time. <laughs> that was one time. And no, nothing that I've noticed. All right, so nothing's wrong that Trevor noticed, but honestly, that could mean anything. That's fair. Yeah, he's not too, uh... You hear the, the train whistle fire off, though, and then, um, the train whistle fires off again, and then he says, he announces to the, to the train, Hey, there, passengers, we're gonna have to do a bit of a, a slowdown, maybe a rough stop. There's somebody out on the track, so I just want to, like, give him a chance to get out of the way. I don't know if they've noticed that. And, um, at that moment, the voice cuts out. There is a crackle of electricity that passes from the front of the train all the way to the back. It <laughs> hits the front of the train, fucking furiously. The emergency brake uh, jolts to a stop. Parlor car, the coin-operated chairs lock up and sort of um, push the poor Eruvian child off the chair. Aw, oh, um, The dining car toilet stops functioning. Right as Michelle is taking a shit. The passenger car is mostly fine, but you guys at the bullpen, your bar with uh, food storage, fucks up. Uh, it all keeps passing by, and the pride of Duskwall grinds to a halt. It stops one foot from a mask-wearing figure wearing a long coat, a cowboy hat, and from underneath some wavy, dark hair, eyes that have stared daggers at this train until it stops before him. Coleman Knatcher and his boys, having ditched their horses earlier, begin to hop onto the fight of Duskwall through the now unlocked hatches. Uh, hopping in, um, none in the crew car, so you guys don't see any, but you do hear one drop in the office car, you see three drop in the passenger car, and they all cock revolvers that you guys will have to deal with next time on Ghosts on a Train. I told you we were gonna run into him. <sighs> yep, yep, you called it. Bye! Bye! See ya! <laughs> Pride of Duskwall is now arriving. Please allow all passengers to exit the train before boarding. This has been Ghosts on a Train, a podcast with the Faustian Nonsense Network, where we played Ghost Lines, an RPG written and designed by John Harper. Music by Sebastian Black and TJ Woods. Our cover art is by Yoshiko Agresta. Your line balls for this trip were... Andrew Anderson, badge name Dunville. Played by me, Hannah Levin. Adric, aka Drix, badge name Colburn. Played by me, Stefan Lewis. Pippin, Pip, McKeel. Badge name, McKeel. Played by me, Guys Webel. And I have been your conductor, Greg Karobus. For bonus content, as well as behind the scenes, become a patron of the Faustian Nonsense Patreon. Your support will help our podcast, as well as the others on the network. And in lieu of monetary support, a review on your favorite podcatcher will help Ghosts on a Train maintain visibility. If you have any questions about the Pride of Duskwall or additions to suggest for the train, please email them to ghosttrainpod at gmail.com or contact us on Twitter at ghosts underscore train and I'll have Candace bring them to the line bowls. Thank you for riding with us and please consider traveling with us again next time.
If only there was someone here who could get the word out three times faster. This was a joke just for Greg and I. <sighs> okay. Okay. Um, oh, 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 I think. So, what? Real quick, guy. You know what's an insane uh, connection though between those two? Actually, being an, an an anime fan is like a recurring, like way background thing in the bicycle anime. Uh, Mito Suji refers to other cyclists as Zaku, and then specifically later, the protagonist is like, "Hey, uh, you were calling us Zaku before." Do you like anime? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "What kind of what kind of mobile suit do you think you'd be?" <laughs> and like, there there is a point where straight up, where the protagonist does a thing, and he does say, "Oh, he's not your average model of Saku." <laughs> Great, incredible. I the cannot stress the circle. I cannot stress enough how much you should watch the bicycle anime. <laughs> I can't. I, I can't believe this weird pervert is a weeb. Actually, no. That that fully tracks. That that just makes sense. This program was brought to you by a network of dedicated artists with creative souls just like just like yours. 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 yours Faustian nonsense. Thanks you for your patronage. Just like yours.